and I'll begin reading at verse 32, and we'll just read this short account of one of the many miracles that our Lord Jesus did. It's a unique one. We only get it in Mark's gospel here in Mark chapter 7 from verse 32 down through the remainder of the chapter. Jesus at this point has uh, come back into the region uh, of uh, Decapolis. So he's in Gentile territory still at this time. He's come back from what would be modern-day Jordan, the area of Tyre and Sidon, we're told there in verse 31. And as he comes back now into this region of Decapolis, sort of a ten-city area, which was predominantly Gentile still rather than Jewish, it says, verse 32, that they brought to him, that's to Jesus, one who was deaf and who had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and he put his fingers in his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. And then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephratha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. And then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to to speak, like verse 37 again, and they were astonished, the idea is at Jesus, beyond measure. That is, they were just absolutely flabbergasted at who the Lord was and what he did. And they said of Jesus, great thing to have a note of in your Bible regarding Jesus, he has done all things well. And Father, we ask as we open your word tonight that you just open our hearts to be receptive to the Holy Spirit's ministry among us. Lord, we thank you for your word, how it speaks into our lives, how it reveals to us who you are clearly and speaks to us just with conviction regarding who we are and where we're at and what we need and how it gives to us many times a, a timely word in season. And so Lord, we pray for that tonight as we would look at this portion of Scripture together briefly, that your Holy Spirit would cause it to just rise off of the page and attach itself to our hearts personally, and that it would speak to us as well, just collectively as the body of Christ assembled together tonight to partake of the bread and the cup, to remember your body and what you've done for us personally, and Lord, what that's done for us as well corporately as the family of God. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you're here with us. And we just pray, Jesus, that you would be our teacher and that you'd speak to us through your Spirit's ministry in this hour. And we ask in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Well, here in Mark's Gospel, we basically get a story, just sort of a short little vignette of one of the miracles of Jesus, uniquely, as I said, that Mark uh, gives to us as the Holy Spirit prompted him to. And basically, it's a story of Jesus sort of compassionately uh, restoring, giving personal restoration into this particular man's life. Uh, we're told about this man here in our verses in verse 32, particularly that he was an individual who was deaf, that is, he was unable to hear. And it says he has an impediment in his speech. And whether or not that means he was completely mute or whether he just was unable uh, to articulate words, it seems at least the idea is that he wasn't able to converse 
and to speak. And many times we see even today, you know, those who may be uh, dealing with the handicap of being deaf, many times there is a limitation in speech. Maybe he was able to uh, make uh, grunts or sounds. Uh, maybe his tongue was completely unable to articulate any words. Ultimately says that Jesus looses his tongue and he's able to speak plainly. But we find this man basically with something in his life uh, that has caused him to uh, be hindered from what we would call a healthy or a normal experience. I mean, by the grace of God, uh, he's created us. He's given to us uh, different senses and faculties uh, by design. God has given to us in a natural experience anyway, the ability to be able to hear, uh, the ability to be able to speak, to communicate to one another, to articulate with one another what we're thinking and feeling. Uh, and, and, and what a wonderful gift, because in essence, that's one of the things that allows us to experience intimacy on this earth, the ability to be able to communicate with other people, uh, to hear what they're saying to us and to be able to express words back to them. Uh, that certainly is one of the tremendous gifts that God has given to us to be able to experience a fellowship with one another among humanity. So here's this man uh, living with a daily struggle. Uh, he's unable to hear what others are saying around him. So he's uh, got a visual sense. He can see what's happening among him, but he's unable to hear uh, sounds of nature. He's unable to hear what people are conversing and talking about. Uh, he lives with the limitation of being able to uh, adequately express the things that he himself wants to say. And again, if you can imagine the frustration of that, you know, your loved ones and wanting to be able to convey something to someone that you care about or wanting to be able to express something that's important and you're unable to be able to say that and, and the frustration that would no doubt come along with that experience and here's this man he's forced and we're not told the reason why to live with this chronic struggle every day of his life he lives with a handicap he lives with a limitation now uh, some speculate that it's possible that there was the influence of a demon in his life and uh, again the scripture does not tell us that we do find other occasions where there are those that Jesus ministers to who it says had an unclean spirit in them and that unclean spirit was if you remember prohibiting at times their speech and when Jesus uh, would cast the spirit out uh, their speech would be restored and so uh, we do see accounts of this in the scripture where the uh, you know the the possession of an unclean or demonic spirit in a person does seem at times to be able to cause physical limitations but we can't say that's the case in every scenario and I think we need to be careful uh, to try and credit everything that would seem a personal handicap or problem in a person's life to a demonic spiritual influence we do see occasions of that in the Bible but that doesn't mean that's the case every time we see it in the scripture and we're not told that about this man uh, it would seem that he's been like this from birth uh, doesn't seem there's any reference here to anything uh, that has transpired that's called this in his life and there are other miracles that Jesus will do with different individuals uh, where after he would heal them he would say something to them along the lines of like in John chapter 5 when he tells the man at the pool of Bethesda uh, sin no more he says let something worse happen to you and the idea is, is Jesus is seeming to indicate that part of his affliction and problem was in direct relation to his own personal sins so uh, again uh, we see no reference of that it seems this man has lived with this condition 
probably for his life. He has been dealing with this struggle and he's kind of closed off from this gift of the intimacy of communication. But the wonderful thing is, is he has people in his life who care about him. And here's a man who struggles every day of his life. He deals with difficulty day in and day out. He lives with a limitation of what he would like to be able to do, but yet the struggle within him, he has no control to change it. He's powerless to be able to resolve his own problems. He's dealing with something that's no doubt frustrating and challenging in his life. And you know, quite honestly, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's some struggle in your life. Uh, maybe there's some issue or personal struggle. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's some other area where you've dealt with something that's sort of just been a, a chronic difficulty in your life and you have no control over it. You have no capability to resolve it yourself. Uh, it's something that just remains in your life. It's a limitation. It's something you had to kind of learn to cope with. But it causes you daily struggle. And, and it, in a sense, brings a limitation in your life that at times makes it probably discouraging and, and difficult. Well, this man had a few friends, it seems, those who had heard about Jesus and they heard about the power of God that was taking place through his life, how he was going around and ministering to people and touching people's lives and transforming them. And we're told here in verse 31 that part of this man's healing began with, it says, verse, excuse me, verse 32, that they brought this man to Jesus and they begged the Lord that he would put his hand on him. And I like this because this is just such a beautiful thing that a part of this man's personal reconciliation and restoration of, of some of the things that God intended to do in his life, part of all that process of healing and transformation with him, a part of that process early on was a group of people who loved him and who cared about him and knew the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and took initiative to bring this man to Jesus and to seek Jesus to put his hand on him and to touch him and believe that if Jesus put his hand on this man's life in a personal and a real way, that he would experience the power of God in his life. And these friends are just a beautiful example, I think, because they believe that if Jesus touched his life, he would be helped and he would be healed. And you know what? As those who know Jesus Christ as Christians... As those in this room, hopefully, who have experienced the power of Jesus in our own lives. Maybe the Lord has touched your life and healed you and transformed you and changed things in your life. And maybe there are areas where you could say, hey, I was once blind, but now I see. Uh, or I was lame and paralyzed and I was just stuck in this condition, this addiction or this habit or this condition and the Lord healed me and transformed me and he enabled me to get out of that personal condition of just being paralyzed in this horrible sinful condition and I know the power of God listen out of that compassion that we should have for others we should be the individuals like those in this story who are seeking to bring people to Jesus that we know need a touch of Jesus in their life in their unique way, and we should be those bringing them to Jesus. And I love what it says, they beg Jesus to put his hand on them, saying, in essence, Lord, w this man can't fix his issues. And Lord, quite honestly, we love him, but we can't solve his issues either because we don't have the power, the capacity to help him. But we believe that you love him. And we believe that you have the power of God at your disposal because you are 
God in the flesh. And Lord, if you just put your hand on him, that's all it'll take. Lord, we're begging you, just put your hand on his life. And you know, what a great example. That is what we really need to do. We need to understand that people can't resolve their own issues. Listen, we are telling people a vain message if we're trying to encourage them. Hey, you've got to clean up your act and fix yourself and get your life together and go to this program. And Listen, those things can be small contributors to help in a process. But if we could fix our issues and solve our problems and save ourselves, there would be no need that Jesus ever came into the world and did all that he did. The reality is we can't save ourselves. We, we can do nothing to help ourselves. We need help from a source outside of ourselves. And the other reality is this, is no matter how much we talk to people or we coach people or we counsel people or we help people, we can't resolve people's problems. Jesus Christ can resolve people's problems. What people need is a touch of Jesus Christ upon their life. They need the hand of the Lord to come upon their life to bring the powerful change in their life that only he can bring in their life. I tell you this, that's what changed my life. Isn't that what changed your life? What changed your life? It was when the hand of Jesus Christ came upon you in a personal way. It was at that moment when you had an encounter with the Lord personally that transformation and help and healing and restoration came into your life. So just this beautiful example here of them bringing him to Jesus. They're begging him, Lord, touch him. And Jesus, in his tremendous compassion, it says, verse 33, he took him aside from the multitude. And I like that. It just shows you the, the personalness of Jesus. He wasn't looking to do a, a signs and wonders show. He wasn't like many ministers today, unfortunately, where he you know, was having a, a, a big parade presentation of what he was about to do. So many times Jesus would, he would just take people aside privately from the crowd. He just wanted to minister to this man. He genuinely cared about his condition. We see that as he sighs in sort of a, a sense of grief there at verse 34 as well. But he just kind of takes him aside. And I think part of the reason he took this man aside was also being personally sensitive to his condition. Again, he can't hear He's unable to speak. That's very frustrating. There's a group of people and his sensory, you know, uh, sort of you know, functions would just be firing on all cylinders trying to understand what's going on. So Jesus takes him aside so there's not sensory overload with what everybody else is doing as well so that he can focus directly on the Lord and have his attention directly upon Jesus as Jesus wants to try and communicate with him in the condition where he's in where he can't hear and he can't speak. So Jesus just very compassionately like this he ministers to people the way that they need to be ministered to and everybody's not the same and you'll notice even as you look at the healing of Jesus here it's vastly different than his other miracles you never find Jesus in the gospels healing the same two ways Jesus always is mixing up the way in which he would minister and heal the people because people's lives are different and people's conditions are different and he's a God of the individual and he meets people where they're at in the way that they need to be ministered to. And he didn't want us to try and formulate how he works. So he pulls him aside and sort of this kind of just takes him aside a little bit, no doubt, so they could have focused attention. And this very unique experience, verse 33, it says he put his fingers in the man's ears. He spat, and the idea probably there is that he spat on the ground. Don't get the idea that he spat in the guy's mouth. Some people, I've read commentators, that's gross. What did he spit in the guy's mouth for? It doesn't say he spit in his mouth. It says he spit 
and he touched his tongue. It doesn't say he spit on his tongue. I don't know where people try and get that idea from that, but it says he put his fingers in his ears, he spit, and he touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, sighed and said in Aramaic, that's that word, be opened. Now, a couple things happen here. What is Jesus doing? I mean, here he takes this guy aside, he can't hear, he can't speak, and he puts his fingers in his ears, and I think what's happening very simply is this, is Jesus is arranging for him to have a personal encounter and he's communicating with this man on a personal way whereby this particular man could understand and relate to Jesus. Again, as he put his fingers in his ears, Jesus can't talk to him because he can't hear anything. Jesus can't say, what's your name and how long you've been like this? He can't say anything. So what does Jesus do? He compassionately, he uses in a sense, a language that his heart can connect with. And he connects with this man on the heart level. And no doubt as he puts his fingers in his ears, I can envision Jesus in his compassion saying, your ears, you can't hear, can you? You've, You've never been able to hear anything. And he spits on the ground and he's then addressing his man. Your, your tongue. You can't talk, can you? You've never been able to say anything. It must be so frustrating. And here is Jesus is connecting with this man in the depths of his being. This man is resonating with the Lord as he's recognizing this man actually cares about what I'm struggling with. He understands. And you know what? Only Jesus can communicate to somebody like that. Isn't that true? I mean, only Jesus has this unique way whereby whatever it is in our life that he can resonate and connect with us in the language of the heart on our level and he puts his finger on exactly what it is that we're struggling with and he says, I know. I understand. That must be so frustrating. You've never been able to change this. This has always been a struggle for you. You've always wrestled with this. This must be hurtful and discouraging and you don't understand. And he's speaking to him in a way in which his heart can resonate and communicate with what Jesus is trying to indicate to him what he's going to do. Your ears, your tongue. And then it says Jesus looks to heaven and he's indicating to him where the healing is going to come from. Your ears. I'm I'm going to heal your ears and your tongue. I'm going to heal your tongue. And he looks to heaven. God God knows. And God's about to heal you right now. Right now. God's going to heal you. And it says he looks to heaven and then beautifully the text records for us, and I don't think it's a coincidence, the Holy Spirit, verse 34, records that Jesus sighed. Now, you don't find that very often in the gospel. So when the Holy Spirit takes the time to indicate to us something what would seem as simple but yet, no doubt, probably very profound. I think it's important to take note of that. The idea there is, is a sense of grief or a groaning in the heart of the Lord. You know, if you've ever uh, sighed over something, maybe get news of something that just really just makes your heart bottom out. You know, this past week I got news of something and just hearing it. I mean, the whole day I just found myself every once in a while when I would think about it again, just kind of going, <sighs> it just, oh, 
it's just heart-wrenching. Lord, it's just, ah. Oh. And if you've ever had an experience where just something heavy is going on in your life and every time you think about it or every time you reflect upon it, you just there's that just that sigh, that inward groaning where your heart is just troubled over the situation, you're saddened by something. And it just weighs on your heart to the point where that's all you can do. There's there's really nothing to say. You just almost just like releasing the grief and letting out a little bit of the stress. And just that's what it is when we sigh. We all understand what that's like to sigh. And here Jesus, it says, as he's dealing with this man about to heal him, he looks to heaven before he speaks out loud his healing. He looks to the father and he sighs with a sense of groaning. Why? Because Jesus is looking at this man and he's sighing over the reality of what sin has done to humanity. As he's looking at this man's condition and realizing that as the result of sin coming into humanity, now there is suffering and there is sickness and there's human struggle and there are problems and plagues and difficulties. And he's and no doubt looking at this as God in the flesh and his heart is weighed down thinking, oh, it is so, it is so sad that humanity, I never intended them to suffer like this. I never intended for them to have to wrestle with this and deal with that painful thing and go through this hardship. And of course, it is part of the whole process now as the result of sin entering into our world and the curse of sin that there is sickness and suffering and struggles and problems. But listen, that burdens the heart of the Lord. It grieves his heart. And as he's here on earth and he's seeing it firsthand in his humanity, his heart was so burdened as he looked at the struggles that this man was going through every day. And let me tell you something. Whatever you are struggling with, whatever you have been struggling with, I tell you this, the heart of the Lord is burdened over what you're going through. Please don't ever think that no one is aware and no one cares. There may not be a human being who is aware or who cares, but I tell you this, Jesus is fully aware and Jesus cares. And it weighs on his heart and he is concerned and it burdens him to see you struggle. It burdens his heart to see us dealing with things and going through hard times and and what's cause for us to then deal with issues on this earth. And it says he looks to heaven and with a sigh, he then says in Aramaic, be opened. And again, think about that. He speaks, be opened. He wasn't speaking to the man. The guy couldn't hear. What was he speaking to? He was just proclaiming his word and in the one spoken word of Jesus, it says, immediately, this guy's life was transformed. One word, because the creator of the universe who created that man's body spoke by his power and authority and in an instant, miraculously, his life was transformed. It was miraculously changed. It says immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and the guy began to just speak plainly. So as Jesus spoke, no doubt, whatever all of the malfunctioning parts were inside of this guy's brain, in his ears, in his tongue, instantaneously, Jesus speaks to them as the creator to his creation and all of a sudden, they just all come back together 
everything's healed, everything's restored, everything in his life in a minute is completely transformed and turned around in one touch of Jesus. It didn't even take, in a sense, the physical touch, the spoken word of the Lord, be loosed, be healed, be open, Jesus says, and immediately his ears were opened. And man, what a wonderful thing to recognize. Not only does Jesus have the compassion and the care and the concern in his heart, to want to minister to the needs that exist in our lives. And listen, if all he ever did was die on the cross for our sins, that would be pretty incredible. Would you agree? That would be well enough reason to worship the Lord for all of eternity if all he ever did was just say, Tony, be loosed from your sins and, 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 and may the doorway of heaven be open to you to get into eternity though you're a sinner. That would be incredible. But the fact that he, in his graciousness and his compassion, at times still in his mercy, will touch our lives in other ways to just heal or to help or give us relief or to minister to our frame in some way when we're hurting or struggling or to give us relief under some struggle that we've been dealing with that's been weighing us down. I mean, just the compassion of the Lord, not only has that compassion, but the fact that, let us never forget, that He has that kind of power and that kind of authority that with one word, all Jesus has to do is just say the word. I love in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus comes into an encounter with the man who had leprosy, an incurable disease. And he says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That was miraculous. To be, it, but he understood that Jesus had the power. And he says, if you're willing... I know that you can make me clean. I can't make myself clean. No medical assistance could ever resolve my condition. There, it was an incurable disease. But he understood the power of Jesus. He said, but if you're willing, you can make me clean. His struggle was, Lord, I don't know. Are, are you really willing? Would you want to do something powerful in my life? Would you want to cleanse me of this condition? Would you want to liberate me or to have mercy and compassion? And I love what it says. It says Jesus had compassion on him. And it says he touched him, which no one would ever put their hand on a leper. But there's no condition too filthy, far gone, messed up, whatever, that Jesus' hand would not still touch compassionately and graciously. He will reach you no matter where you're at. And it don't matter how filthy, messed up, and, and off the charts, I mean, Jesus will still put his hand in any situation or on any life. And Jesus said to him when he touched him, I am willing be cleansed. I am willing be cleansed. And that man was healed miraculously and instantaneously. And listen, let us never forget our Bible tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He still is in the business of wanting to touch and change and transform lives. And in the same way, if you took hold of a live 220 volt wire, you're not going to walk away without there being any change afterwards. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't come in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and not be powerfully affected and transformed. Jesus has the power to do miraculous, powerful, incredible things in people's lives if he puts his hand upon them and he speaks the word, it's done. 
And here Jesus does this for this man as his friends bring him. And listen, I want to encourage you tonight. Jesus hasn't changed. I don't know what you're going through and what you're dealing with, but the compassion of Jesus is available for you as well. And the power of Jesus is available for you as well. And you are just as much someone who is a candidate to receive the powerful touch of the Lord in your life, whatever it is that you're experiencing, as this man was as well. His compassion hasn't changed. His power has not changed. This man was touched. He was loosed from his condition. He began to speak plainly. I would have loved to know what he said, uh, but it just says he began to communicate. And you can imagine the astonishment. That's why it says that when this happened, that, that everyone, verse 37, look with me there, it says everyone when this happened was astonished beyond measure. They had known this man's condition for years. He had been like that. For years. And he didn't go to speech therapy. He didn't have an operation. He had an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. A personal encounter with Jesus. And they saw that his life was changed and transformed. And people were astonished beyond measure. And I love what they say regarding Jesus. He has done all things well. I love that statement about Jesus. Probably one of my favorite statements in the Gospels describing Jesus. He has done all things well. Isn't that so true of Jesus? He has done all things well. He does everything so well when he works in our lives. So well in the way in which he works. And as you look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to just consider, especially as we partake of communion tonight, Spiritually speaking, in a sense, sin has affected our faculties as well. This man couldn't hear, he couldn't speak, his faculties were diminished, there was a limitation, there was a struggle, there was something that was hindering him physically. Well, the Bible tells us that sin has an effect upon our lives spiritually. And sin affects our faculties in a spiritual sense, whereby you might say that it is sin that causes us to be unable to hear God. It's sin that has a detrimental effect in our lives, whereby we are unable to communicate with God personally and properly. The reason why people walk around unable to hear the voice of God and properly communicate and have a relationship with God is one simple reason. Sin. God says, my hand is not short that I can't reach, but your sins have separated you from your God, saith the Lord. And there are people all over this planet like this man who their spiritual faculties are hindered and limited and they can't hear God and they're not having an ongoing communication and relationship with God because sin is at the root of their lives. And until that sin is forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ through a salvation experience, they're out of fellowship with God. And in the same way in our lives. Listen, let's just be honest. When we, when we have an, a measure of sin and maybe something amiss in our life that we're not keeping a short account with the Lord and we're not repenting of things and confessing of things, sin has this detrimental effect. Listen, I understand if you're a Christian tonight, judicially, you are forgiven and righteous in the sight of God because of your position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are thankful for that. Absolutely thankful that by grace and through faith we're saved, we're righteous in Christ, 
And, and in a sense, as we partake of the elements of communion tonight, we can rejoice in that. Lord, I'm still failing every day. I still make mistakes on occasion. But I thank you that because of your finished work and my faith alone in that finished work, I'm forgiven. I'm righteous in the sight of God. And I'm right with God. And, and we appreciate that position. But yet many times in our practical walk with the Lord in everyday experience, sometimes the sin that we allow to creep into our lives can be something that begins to sort of cloud our hearing of the voice of God a little bit. And we're not quite hearing from God as clearly as we once were. And it's kind of got us in a place where we're maybe not talking to God in the way that we should or that we once did because of condemnation or a sense of guilt or shame. And listen, tonight, Jesus in his compassion, he doesn't want to condemn you because of that. He doesn't say, that's it, Yeah, you stay back in that corner until you get your act together. That's not what Jesus wants to do. Tonight, Jesus wants to say, listen, I want to touch your life. And, 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 and I want to deal with that area in your life. And, and I want to show my compassion to you and I want to show my help to you and, and I want you to receive my cleansing anew in your life and, 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 and let's, let's get rid of this. Again, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. See, it just it interrupts fellowship with God, sin does in our life. It interrupts our fellowship with God in the same way in a marriage relationship. If my wife and I have tension, and it happened once back in 19, what was that? 97 maybe if we have tension and there's an issue between us an offense or something like that it doesn't change the fact that we're married still we're still married we've been married almost 20 years we're still married but that tension or that offense causes the relationship to not be what it really should be do you, do you understand what I mean by that and until that's resolved there's a tension, there's an, there's an unhealthy vibe in the relationship, there's a breach in the fellowship and the intimacy that should be there between us as a husband and a wife. Same way with us and God. Our relationship with God judicially and Jesus Christ, secure, nothing to worry about. But the sin that creeps into our lives sometimes that we don't deal with, that can cause a breach in our fellowship with God a little bit. Listen, God wants to speak to you. God wants you to hear his voice and God wants you to be speaking to him and living in complete communion with him. And tonight, as you partake of communion, I encourage you, if there's an area you need to let go of or bring before the Lord or confess or forsake, that you would take the opportunity tonight to bring it to Jesus, to know who he is, to know what his heart is. And tonight, let him open the way of fellowship with God the way it's supposed to be back in your life again through his blood and through the veil of his flesh that was ripped and torn on the cross there's an openness then to come boldly to the throne of grace if we put our confidence in those things